this morning, I, I, I did just want to start out this morning and, um, and just thank you, fathers, for, for being here and say happy Father's Day. Uh, for me, uh, my dad couldn't, couldn't be here today, <clears throat> so um, this is really neat. Um, we were talking the other day. We actually we went, went, out, went out on Friday to celebrate. We played golf and had lunch. It was, it was great. It was fun. Um, uh, but, but he was like, you know, I, I realized something uh, today, Jeff. Like he, he said, for the first time this Sunday, this is pretty cool on Father's Day, um, he's preaching uh, today at his home church um, over in Crawford, Alabama, in East, in East Alabama. And he's like, this is like the first day, like you're preaching on a Sunday and I'm preaching on a Sunday. And so it was, it was kind of special and it, it was kind of great. And I, I just wanted to start this morning out and, and saying thanks to um, two dads. You guys are here, but also um, as a challenge to us, um, all as men, if you don't know me and if you do know me, you know that I'm not a father, and if you don't, I'm not, I'm not a father, so now, so now you know. So, so you can take that, but I would, um, uh, I would, I would make a challenge to all of us today is we're going to continue in, um, in this summer series called Passages, where we're just looking at God's Word um, and just taking passages of Scripture and just reading it and just studying it um, um, with, with our hearts and with our minds, um, that, that we would be challenged to, to make that our, our passion. And, and that was one of the things, the greatest things, um, I'm thankful for my dad is that I, that I had a dad, and I, and I know I was blessed um, to have a dad who every day I, w- I would see him reading his Bible. I would, I would physically see him reading his Bible and studying his Bible, and, and it made a huge impact on my life. So I want to make a challenge for all of us really in this, in this room to, be, um, to really be leaders, that we need to be in God's Word, and, and not just when you're alone or you know, whenever you read, but to, to, to have you know, your children, have your family, those people around you that, that love you, um, I mean, have them seeing you read the, the, um, the Word can really impact um, somebody's life. So that being said, we're going to start today, and b- before I start, I'm going to say, I hope you have a pen um, ready, because I've got, we're in a series called Passages, and I only get to preach a couple times a year, and we might be here till 12 o'clock, but I have, I have quite a few scriptures that we're going to read today. Some of them are in your um, worship guide, some of them are not, um, so I would ask you, before we even start um, today, that, that you wouldn't take my word for anything I say on the scripture, but that you, would, that you would go back and that you would read it for yourself, that you would look at it for yourself and study it yourself um, so that you can read it for yourself and that God can speak to you um, from his word as I believe he does even to this day. And that's how he, he really speaks to us through his word. So we're going to start out in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. And this is Paul talking. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, making every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. So this morning, we just want to start out with this. Um, this I, I love this from Paul in Ephesians 4. He just says, listen, guys, I beg of you, I urge you. To, to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you've received in Christ Jesus. And, um, and I love the, the, what he says next is um, to be humble and gentle. And, um, but then, then the next part is, I think, probably one of the, the toughest things to do, at least for me. I don't know, maybe you've got it all figured out, um, which is quite possible. Um, but he says, be patient with each other. And, and he actually says, allowing for each other's faults. Now, when I was, uh, and my mom's here this morning, she can attest to this. Um, when I was growing up, I was, uh, I have an older brother, some of you know him, his name is JT, and, um, you know, he, uh, we, we were both very patient with each other growing up, we never fought, and um, we were very nice to each other, it was a great relationship, no, I'm just kidding, uh, no, I used to, I used to do so much stuff to absolutely annoy my brother, I mean, I did on purpose, I, I mean, I, it was, it was wrong, I, I admit it, but I was a child, right, so I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> although I knew what I was doing, I, but one of the things that used to drive him the most crazy, and this is funny, because, because uh, uh, my roommate, Tony, I don't know where he went, but he does this too, so I thought it was funny, um, but I like to chew ice, um, and I know that's loud, and it can be very annoying, but I would do that, and my brother was, he just, he, it would make him so angry, and he, he'd put up with it for a little bit, but I could just see him like, would you stop, like trying to be patient, but he, but he couldn't be patient, I, and I say that, it's kind of, uh, kind of uh, uh, humorous, I mean, at least I find it funny, um, 
that, that we, can, uh, we can get so annoyed by things with each other. And that's, that's simple and kind of meaningless. But I think in the body of Christ, what he's talking about here is, is to be united. There's one body, one Father, one Spirit. Um, we as the church have, have got to get along together. And so I think he put that in there for a reason. He didn't just say be patient with each other, but he said making allowance for each other's faults, realizing that, you know what, you know, we're not all the exact same. He says we're to, to unite with each other. It's not that, that we're some kind of uniform or we're all the exact same person. We each have our own faults and we each have our own gifts and abilities that God has given us. And you know what? Sometimes we've got to be patient with each other and sometimes we're going to make each other mad. Sometimes we're going we're gonna to hurt each other's feelings. And, um, but, but our heart and passion would always um, need to be that we want to just be who God wants us to be. But even when, when, when we're stumbling, even when when we, when we do something that, that other people are like, oh, that's just driving me crazy. Would you stop? We've got to be patient with each other because if we're not working together as the body of Christ, um, then we're not going to be able to do the things that God has called us to do. And I think ultimately we're not going to be able to lead um, that life that Paul is talking about that is worthy of the calling that we have in Christ Jesus. And so he continues talking down in um, verse 11 through 16. Y'all, I, I know there's an error on there. It's not verse, chapter 11, verse 16. It's 11 through 16 in Ephesians 4. So you can make that correction if you want to go back later. But Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, Now these are the gifts um, that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, um, evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all become in such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each, part, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So each and every one of us has a part. And, 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 and when we all do our part, we come together and it says when we do that, um, that the whole body is going to be healthy and growing and full of love. Now, this is, this is the, true, the true word of God, but I, I think sometimes if we want to look, look at ourselves and look at the body of Christ, I don't know that I always see us being full of love and healthy and, and growing. And I think that's because, you know, sometimes we struggle to be patient with one another and we're not united together. We let, we let little things come in and, and distract us and, and knock us off course and, um, and that's why I believe that, that Paul is telling us this here. He's like, listen, there's, there's lots of gifts, and, and, he, and he explains these gifts. And, and I think the one thing in common with all these gifts is, um, is that they are all are around proclaiming the Word of God and having a passion for the Word of God. And that's what God's called you and I to, to have a passion for His Word and to live out His Word and obey His Word and, and love His Word more than anything. And so if we're doing that, if we're doing that together and being patient with one another, then it's going to be um, a church and, and a body who is full of love and is healthy and growing. But he also says in verse 14, and, and this, is, uh, this is one of those scriptures that's always just stood out to me. He says, uh, so if we, if we were to do that, he said, then uh, you will no longer be immature like children. Oh, man, that is a, I can still be immature like a child. I don't know if, if y'all ever have those moments. But, I, you know, in, in thinking of that, of that phrase there, and I think sometimes even as the body of Christ in the spiritual realm, we can, we can be like this. Um, we, think about a kid, okay? You've got a child, and he's playing with his favorite toy. What, think of your favorite toy right now. When you're, like, uh, I, I like G.I. Joe's. I know that's kind of weird, but I really like, somebody just laughed. I heard that. I was like, that was pretty great. I was homeschooled. It's okay. Um, I like G.I. Joe's. I played with them all the time. Now, if someone were to come up to me, and I'm playing with my G.I. Joes, and they just take them, like a friend of mine would just, not that this happened, I'm saying this is a scenario. Someone comes up and they take my toy. As a child, what is my reaction probably going to be? Josh said he'd backhand them. Um, uh, no, we, uh, yeah, we would probably cry. We'd probably be like, oh, you 
you took my toy. Bring it back. Give me my toy. Give me, give me, give me back my toy. Probably go tattletale. Be like, Mom, he took my toy. I want it back. I'm not going to be your friend anymore. No, we're not friends anymore. Like, we would be, you know, that's, that's probably how we would act. Maybe that's not how you were when you were a kid. But somebody took my stuff. That's how I usually cried, you know, and, and ran to Mom and, and tattled and stuff like that. But, um. I think that's what it would be like um, when, I think that's what we look like sometimes as the church when, when, we let, um, when we let the enemy come in and distract us and knock us off our guard and he's trying to create disunity within, within the body of Christ. And so we, we've got to be patient with one another. We can't be like immature children and be like, oh, well, yeah, well, that person, you know what he did to me? I'm not talking to him anymore. That's it. I don't think that's the attitude that Christ put on um, when, they, uh, when they spat on him. When they, when they hit him with a, um, uh, with a whip, when they beat him, when they made him carry his cross, I don't think his attitude was anything less than forgiveness and love. In fact, I know that to be the case, because if not, then you and I wouldn't be here today. So I want you to follow after Christ. We've got to take on that attribute of being patient and, and loving one another. And if we're not able to do that, um, then we're not going to be this healthy body of believers that is, that is healthy and growing and full of love, and I know it's not easy. Um, I think I probably say that in every sermon I've ever said, that whatever we're talking about is not easy. I understand that it's difficult, um, and I think that's why this is the first thing y'all can write down, is that we need to realize that we're part of a battle. You probably already realized that. Um, it's probably nothing new to you today, but we are part of a battle, and that's what I realize um, looking at Ephesians 4. And, and, and the first thing is that we're... we're um, we're part of a battle with ourselves. I think it starts with ourselves. And um, if y'all look at um, Romans 7, Romans 7, verses 14 through 25. Um, I'm reading, this, is, this, is, this will be from the ESV. Um, Paul talks here. He says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. If I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is written, it is long, no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man am I who will rescue me from this body? That is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a crazy passage reading there. I mean, he literally just says over and over. Now, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. Why do I keep doing what I don't want to do and, and, and doing what I don't want to do? You know, it's like, it's this, he just keeps saying it over and over. But I, I mean, it resonates so much within me when it's like, gosh, I just want to do I just want to live out the word. I just want to be patient with one another. I want to be humble. I want to be gentle. I want to live out God's word in my life, but it's like I keep messing up. Like, why is this? And, and so I think we do, we do need to realize that, that what he says there is, you know, anything good that I even do is not me. It's only through Christ Jesus. But, but this sin is, is, is um, in, our, in our flesh is waging, it's literally waging war against us in our minds and the choices that we have to, wa- have to make. And so, guys, we're part of a battle, and... And I love what Keith talked about last, uh, last week, and I think it set the stage for this whole summer series of passages. We just looked at God's word is that, I mean, this is, this is the only thing that's going to keep us, this is the only thing that's going to keep us from sinning. We can't do it on our own. When we do anything good, it's because, it's only because of God's word and God's son and the love that he gave for us. So why would we not dive in and memorize God's words and hide it in our hearts to keep us from sinning against God? That, if you weren't here last week, that's what Keith simply talked about. The whole week was around Psalm 119.11. Um, and, uh, and so it, it, it takes a discipline. It's, it's not easy, but guys, we're part of a, a battle, and, we, and we, we have that battle with ourselves. And the second part is this. We're, um, we're in a battle with the thief. We're in a battle with the enemy. And 
Not to get the, the, the two confused, because I think a lot of times we will, we'll, we'll make excuses when, it's, when, it, when we're at battle with ourselves. We'll say, oh, you know, you know, I mean, I know I messed up, but it wasn't really my fault. I don't know if you've ever said that. I've definitely said that. You know, it wasn't really my fault to do that. And we can make, you know, cheap excuses, but I mean, I think we need to live up um, to the fact that, that John 10.10 10 tells us uh, that the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy but Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. You see, Jesus has come to give us this great, full life. And as the body of Christ, um, he wants us to be healthy and growing and full of love. But yet, the thief is coming to steal that. And so, since we're at war with ourselves, the thief is going to come in and he's going to try and make us stumble. He knows that we're, we're in a battle and he's going to bring in temptation after temptation to try and knock us down. Because he knows that ultimately if he's got the body of Christ not in unity, then the body of Christ is not going to be able to do the work that the, that the body of Christ is powerful enough to do when we're, when we're united with each other through the word of God. So we need, we need to realize um, this morning that, that God, you know, he has a perfect and radical plan for your life. Um, and the enemy wants to, he wants to st- literally steal that. It, it is supposed to be God. God created us to bring glory to his name. And, 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 and the, um, the thief is trying to steal that from us. And, um, and, and even especially to realize in the, in the rest of this passage, if you look in John 10, he's talking about the sheep and, and people being lost. God, God doesn't want anybody to go away. He, if one is lost, he's coming after you. He, he, he's come for all. He wants everybody to be a part of this family. So when, when somebody gets on your nerves and is driving you crazy, be patient and love that person. Um, put up, we, need to, we need to be able to put up with each other because Christ is for all and we need to be for all. And so this morning, um, what, what, what I want to do is I wanted to set us up with this um, to be able to realize that we're at war and, and that we need to be united together as a body. And so I'm going to read a story um, this morning from, from Joshua. And this is going to be probably something, it's definitely something different than I've ever done in my life. Um, but I feel that God's called us to this this morning. And, and that is, we're going we're gonna to read Joshua 1 through 6. So if you would open your Bibles right now, you're going to want to follow along because this is going to take a minute. And I would, I would beg of you to, to go back and to read um, this story. But while we're, while we're reading this story, I want you to think um, um, about what, we, what we've already talked this morning, that God is calling us to be a united body. There's one body, one spirit, one Lord, and, and, and he's working through each and every one of us. And I want us to see how he worked through the Israelite people and Joshua and the amazing things he did when the people were obedient. And so uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're already asking this question, and, and I was kind of asking this question myself, and I'm the one um, preaching the sermon, but it would be, um, you know, like, why are we going to read Joshua 1 through 6? Okay, that's like, that's a lot. And, um, and, and I love what Warren Wiersbe says. He says uh, um, this quote. He says, why should anybody today study the book of Joshua, an ancient book that gives a grim account of war, slaughter, and conquest? If the book of Joshua were fiction, we might accept it as an existing adventure story. Um, I mean, it would, be, it would just be a great adventure story. But the book conveys real history and is a part of inspired Holy Scripture. So what does it mean to us today? So I, I want us to just take a moment, um, and, and as we're reading this, I want you to really just put ourselves and put you in this and say, okay, if I was in this story, what would I do? Um, when God commands Joshua to do these things and, and the Israelites to do these things, would I do that? Because some of it honestly sounds kind of crazy and I think if God were to call us to do some of the things that, that they did in this story we would be like I ain't, and, and God asked you to do it we would say that's kind of crazy and radical I don't know if I can do that and um, so I'm going to pray for us real quick and then um, I hope you have your Bible out and um, we're just going to read this together Lord I just um, I just come before you right now Lord as we open your word Lord and we read Joshua uh, in events that happened just thousands of thousands of years ago. Um, God, that you would allow us to be able to see um, the truth of you working in the Israelites' life, Lord, even when they weren't perfect, Lord, but you had promises that you had given them, Lord, and that you have promised that, you, that you've given us, Lord, and that we would see those things um, and we'd be able to live those out, Lord, to live a life worthy of the calling you've placed upon us um, today, Lord. So just uh, bless the reading um, of your word, Lord, and use it to speak to us right now. So here we go. Joshua 1. We'll start, we'll start right here. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, um, 
uh, he didn't say Moses. He said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you, will, um, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you um, every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and the, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea, on to the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead the people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn away from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, um, three days from now, you will cross the Jordan where you will go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadonites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives and your children and livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men fully armed must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you. And, and until they have too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan um, toward the, the sunrise. Then he answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we faithfully um, and fully obeyed Moses, so will we obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, wherever you command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. We'll continue in chapter 2. And then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies um, to go over and to look over the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered into your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hid them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to leave, uh, to, time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, and you might catch up with them. But she had taken them on the roof and hid them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. That's important to remember right there. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, uh, of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the, of the Jordan River, who, com, who you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death, our lives um, for your lives. The men assured her, um, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through a window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she said to them, go to the hills um, so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. 
The men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother and brothers and all your family into your house. If anyone goes outside your house um, into the street, his blood will be on his own head. He will, we will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in your house with you, um, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if, if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath that you have made us swear. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window, and, then, and when they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched along um, the road and turned, um, turned without finding them. Then the two men started back, and they went back out of the hills and forded, um, towards, uh, forded to, uh, the river and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the land the whole land, into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took up the ark and went on ahead of the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so that you may know, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters and go and stand, uh, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out um, before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gerashites. And the Amorites and Jebusites, see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you now. Then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, um, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during um, the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of, the, uh, of Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel, while all Israel passed, um, passed by until the whole nation, until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. Chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men that he had appointed from the Israelites, one from every tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are, uh, they are there to this day. Now the priest who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua um, was done by the people, just as Moses directed Joshua. 
The people uh, hurried over, and as soon as all of them crossed over the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched, the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites, and as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 about 40, armed for battle crossed before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him um, all the days of his life, just as they revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest carrying the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the, pre, uh, commanded the priest um, to come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had their feet set on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage um, as before. Then on the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that he had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord. Chapter 5. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the east coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites had crossed um, before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted and, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. And at that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Um, and now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the desert on the way leaving Egypt. All the people that came out of, uh, had been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert during that journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites um, had moved out about in the desert for 40 years until all the men who were of military age went, uh, until all the men of, uh, who were of military age um, when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us, a land flowing of milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua was circumcised. They were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So, this, so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th of the, of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after. They ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and he said, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And finally, chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out, and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast, um, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, Advance, march around the city um, with the armed guard going ahead of the Lord, the Ark of the Lord. 
When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went, uh, went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead, and the priests who blew their trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the people, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So, uh, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the people returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing its tr- their trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord. While the trumpets kept sounding, and uh, so on the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. So when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the city, or the the wall, collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed um, with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with the oath you made to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother and brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they, then they burned the, the whole city and everything in it. But they, uh, they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. At, the time, at that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath, Cursed before the Lord is any man who undertakes the, to rebuild the city of Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son will he lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest will he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua. And his fame spread throughout the land. Lord, we just, uh, I just want to thank you for your word, Lord. The story of Joshua, Lord, how you delivered the Israelites. Lord, I pray that we would be able to take into account, Lord, this story, Lord, and we would be able to apply it on our lives, Lord, that, that we would be found faithful in your eyes, God. We just thank you for your word. Amen. Now, I know that was, that was a really, really long story, and... You're probably still wondering why. Why do we look at every part of that story? But I think it's so vital that when we read the Word of God, we we, we read it in its entirety, and 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 that that story is. I mean, it's it's so simple to read and to understand how faithful God was time and time again for the Israelites in here, and then to see that He was faithful when they were faithful, and and to see and, and to see and know that God had made promises to them. Um, and then and that, that he had those promises that he just kept time and time again. So, so I, I want us to look at these promises real quick, and you can write these three things down. They're all in, in Joshua 1, and then we're going to look at some other promises that I think God has for you and that God has for me and the things that he's calling us to do, that he's calling us to be and to live a life that is worthy of the calling that he's placed on your life and my life, just like he had a plan for the Israelites. And the first promise is this, is that he says that I will be with you. He said it to Moses, and he says it to Joshua, and, and this is for all the Israelite people in, in Joshua 1.5. He says, I was with, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I believe that, that promise is with you and I through Jesus Christ and, and, and the Holy Spirit that he is going to be with us in our life as we're on the journey. The second one is this, and it's in that same verse. It's exactly right after he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's going to be there with us. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. It's the same thing he had, he said the exact same thing in uh, Deuteronomy 31, 6 to Moses. He said, be strong and courageous. Don't fear um, or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. 
Christ, Christ isn't leaving. He came and He's gone and He's coming back again. That's the promise that we have in Christ Jesus that He is, he is coming back for you and for me. But while we're here, the, the, the last promise here is, uh, and I put a dot, dot, dot before this, is that you will be successful. And I, I put the dot, dot, dot there to realize before that that what he said was, um, he said, do not, and, and, and Keith used this, this last week in talking of the power of the scripture, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth and meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. So we want to be successful in this life. We want to live the full life that Christ has for us. You know, earlier we said this thief comes to steal and destroy, but Jesus Christ has come that we'd have life and have it to the fullest. So if we want to do that, we need to meditate on God's word day and night. I, I, and I think that's, that's literal. Every day, every night, we need to be found in God's word. Because of the, uh, if we're not, then we're not going to be able to be the people that God has called you and I to be. And... Um, as you look at that, as we look at that story, we want to be who God has called us to be and live a life worthy. I think sometimes it's going to take, I mean, just absolute radical and crazy faith. Let's put yourself in this situation, okay? Um, so God, uh, God is uh, you, you've sent in some spies, and um, and so you get a you get a word back from the Lord that. Um, coming from a, from a prostitute, that the word of the Lord has spread. It's spread like wildfire. Somehow, the people in Jericho, now, I'm just saying, like, the people in Jericho had already heard about what God was doing for them. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Fox News. They didn't turn on the TV and, oh, did you see, yeah, like, uh, part of the Red Sea over there. And they, you know, like, the word spread, and, um, and it struck fear within them. And, and so, so Rahab told them this. But then, and then uh, God tells Joshua, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm, uh, I'm bringing you into your land. All you got to do is you take the ark of the Lord and, and the priests and uh, just go, uh, you're just going to take an in, entire nation, an entire nation, you're going to cross the river. And it's at flood stage right now. And, uh, you know, it's not like they had a boat, you know. He's like, all you got to do, all you've got to do is just step your foot in the, in the, in the river and, and we're going to part. And we're going to part the river. Does anybody else think that's absolutely crazy? Like, if God were to ask you today, okay, here's the deal. You're going to go down. I don't I mean, there would have to be purpose, obviously, behind this. I don't think he's going to call anybody. You just go down to the Alabama River just to part it because there's a bridge that goes over it. But if you were, you would be like, I don't, I don't know if that's that really God talking to me. And so, I mean, I don't know that I, would I be obedient to that. And, um, but that's, that's one kind of crazy thing right there. But you know what they did? Um, he had told them, listen. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. If you will meditate on my word day and night and do what I've commanded you to do, I'm going to be with you. And um, that's what he's promised you and I. I don't know why we get scared sometimes, but we do. And um, so he asked them to do something crazy there. And then, then you keep going. God is faithful. And they set, up, they set up this monument. And I think that's something that we need to take seriously in our life when God um, delivers us, when he, when, he, when he does something great in our lives, to set up something to remember. Oh, that's there. I remember when God did that for me. I remember when one time when I actually did what God told me to do and remember what, um, what happened after that. God was faithful. I love that. But then, the, uh, and, and this is kind of the crux of everything, and the reason why, I, I, um, why we read Joshua today is, 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 is Jericho. And uh, this is absolutely crazy. The craziest story I've ever read in my life. And um, like Warren Rigsby said, he said, you know, like, if this, was, uh, if this was just a fiction story, we'd, we'd probably still enjoy it. Like, if they made a movie, we'd be like, man, that's an awesome movie. Like, did you see they just marched around the city and blew their trumpets and the walls came? That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I think it'd been, a, it'd been a pretty awesome uh, movie. But no, it actually really happened. And, and I don't know about you, I believe the entire word about, uh, of God in, in the Bible. And so I believe this actually took place in that God called the people to go around and to march around the cities for seven days, blowing their trumpets, and then on the last day shouting, and that when they shouted, the walls actually fell down. Does anybody else find that pretty crazy, like God told them to do that? I mean, that's, that's not just a normal thing, like, okay, I just want you to go over here and give somebody a hug. That's pretty easy to do, I think. Um, but if God was calling you to do something that radical and that's out of the ordinary, it's not like every day um, God is just, you know, a city's just falling apart when you, when you shout and blow a trumpet. I think, but, but yet again, God, um, he called them to do it, and they were obedient. 
And God had promised them, he had promised them that he was going to be with them and and that he wasn't going to forsake them. And so I would say to you guys, some other promises that we have today, um, one is in in, in Jeremiah 29, 11. Write that down. Jeremiah 29, 11, many of you know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you the future and a hope. And then in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, he says, uh, he says, his divine power has been granted to us. Um, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, with brotherly affection um, with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For which lacks these qualities... Um, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. You will never fall. For in this way, um, there will be uh, richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He promises uh, if we would just die, if we would dive into God's word, that's what's going to make us fruitful. That's what's going to, as a body of Christ, is going to unite us to be healthy and growing and fruitful. We've got to dive into his words. In, in um, Matthew 11, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, come to me all who, are, uh, who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Steve, I'm going to switch to this microphone here. So he says, come to me all who, who labor and are heavy laden I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Where my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are the promises of God's word. This is what we find if we if we actually do what He says and meditate on His word day and His word day and night. We'll be comforted to know that whatever God is calling you and me to do, He has a perfect plan. That's His promise. Whatever He is, He's calling us to do. He's going to be there. Isaiah forty twenty seven through thirty one. You can write that down. Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. Why do you ask, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by God by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths will faint and be weary, and young men shall be exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. So this morning, I, I don't know what it is God is calling you to do, but I, I know that his word has told us that for each and every one of us, he's given us gifts and abilities. And he has a perfect plan for your life, and he has a purpose for you in the body of Christ. And maybe today you're saying, yeah, but he's calling me to do something that is so crazy, I'm going to look like an absolute idiot if I do it. That could very well be the case today. But I think we've got to, we've got to be obedient. Um, when in, 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 in chapter 5, when Joshua um, was preparing, you know, he's, he's going, he's kind of checking out Jericho, seeing what they're going to do to get a word from the Lord. Um, he comes upon the commander of the Lord, he, and, and many believe it. I mean, it was actually Jesus there. And... Um, you know, he asked him, he's like, are you for us or for them? And he said, I, neither, but as a commander of the Lord, um, I've now come. And it says, then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? I think that's the attitude we have to have today. 
And that's where I'm, I hope to lead us today is that you will um, fall face down. And this is the last thing you can write down is that you would fall face down. We must fall face down before the Lord with reverence, with fear, with trembling to understand that he has a perfect plan that we don't understand. And we're not going to understand. But to fall down and say uh, to say, God, I, I don't know what you have for me, but what you give me the message that you have for your servant, that we would lay it all down. I'm going to ask uh, Russ and the guys if they'd come back. And, um, and that's, what, that's what I want to lead us to this morning. Um, maybe, maybe today God's calling you to do something. I don't know what it is. Only you and God probably know. But I, I, I strongly believe that God's calling you um, and us to do, to do things. Maybe, maybe it's you realize that, that, that you're not in unity with somebody, that you need to be in unity, and that it's causing um, the whole body of, of Christ to, to stumble and not be who we can be. Maybe you need to go to that person and reconcile with them and, um, and talk with them. Maybe, uh, maybe you need to come to the altar and you need to, need to physically fall face down and say, God, what message do you have for your servant? I want to be obedient. I want to do what you're calling me to do. Maybe you need to just get alone as, as, we, as we sing a, a couple songs and just worship. Maybe you need to just get alone um, in the back of the room by yourselves and just worship or, or, or just, just, just read the word. Um, we'll have uh, um, uh, Ben and, and some of our team will be, be standing over here by the prayer room. Maybe you need to come and you need to just say, guys, I, I need to talk. I, I don't know. I don't understand what God's calling me to do. You just need to share that with somebody and get it off your chest. I don't know what it is God's calling you to do today, but I would beg you, as, as Paul begs and urges each and every one of us to live life that's worthy of a calling, if we're really going to do that, we've got to fall face down. We've got to get before God and say, Lord, what message do you have for your servant? And then open our ears. And when, when he speaks it to us, and it's crazy, and it's radical, and it's out of this world, and it takes us way out of our comfort, comfort zone, that we would remember the promises that he's saying, listen, I'm not going nowhere. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to forsake you. Just like I was with the Israelites and led them um, uh, across the Jordan and, and took down Jericho, and he continued to take them into the promised land. Just like God did that for them, I've promised you an eternity in heaven with me. And Jesus Christ died to set us free and so that one day we'd be able to spend eternity with him. And he's going and he's preparing that place now and he's coming back. That's the promise of the word of God. And that's what I believe. So why would we not come before God this morning and just give him everything um, that we have and just say, God, what do you have for me? And just lay it down. So I'm going to pray. Lord, um, that is our prayer this morning, Lord, is that you would, that you would just speak to us, God. Lord, I know you're calling us to do some, uh, some pretty crazy things. Or maybe we don't even understand. But Lord, um, through your word, you would give us understanding, Lord, that we would fall face down. That you would take um, each breath that we take, Lord. You would take every moment of our days, Lord, and that you would use us, Lord. But now in this place, at this moment, Lord, we just open our arms, Lord, we open our hands. And we open our hearts for your message to come and fill us, Lord, and that we would live that out. So just speak to us now, God.